is a monthly show featuring Wabanaki perspectives, topics, and opinions, as well as interviews with Native artists, writers, and people of interest. Today, we will be discussing the Penobscot Nation Cultural Center, uh, their website. This show will be helpful to teachers and educators, as well as students and others who want to know more about the Penobscot Nation and the Wabanaki people in general. My guests today, who are usually my co-hosts, but today they're my guests, uh, is Maria Gerard, the director of the Penobscot Nation Cultural Center, and James Francis, Penobscot Nation historian and website creator, artist, and designer. He does it all. <laughs> uh, so this is really, I, I, I've been looking at this website uh, ever since they put it up. Uh, it's really a wonderful website with tons of information in a multitude of subject areas. Uh, and you can find the website at www.penobscotculture.com. www.penobscotculture.com. Maria, as the director of the Cultural Center, um, could you tell us a bit about uh, how this uh, website uh, came into being and how it was created? I can. It uh, really came into being uh, in an effort to streamline our responses to inquiries. We have a very small department whose responsibilities have grown over the years. Uh, we started in 2002 primarily as a language program. And since then, um, we have grown to include the tribal historian, a cultural education coordinator and program, uh, an outreach program. And uh, we also oversee the Penobscot Nation Museum. So uh, as we've grown, so have the inquiries into our department from researchers, from school groups, or just um, you know, festival organizers looking for storytellers or artisans. And the idea, um, I think probably the birth of it, uh, came from James Francis, who was looking for a way to cut our costs around the school curriculum work that we do. So that was probably our primary goal um, in cutting the costs for school curriculum uh, for educators. And uh, finally, um, a purpose for the website is to keep our off-reservation citizens connected to what's happening in the tribal community. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to James now, and he can tell us a bit about, uh, about the website. Good morning. As Maria mentioned, the one of the primary goals when first uh, creating this website was to provide information for teachers and a way for teachers to access the Penobscot curriculum we have developed in a cost-effective way. And so the whole idea was to have a subscription-based component to our website where teachers can go and subscribe and download the curriculum there. Um, and this subscription would be um, last for a year, and they can um, print off all the lesson plans and access all of that information there. So the kind of the birth of the website was around that kind of subscription-based piece. Um, but the website doesn't um, end there. We we saw a real opportunity to do a lot of different things as far as. Um, 
you know, beyond teaching about who we are as a people, but also to give um, Penobscot citizens the ability to market themselves to teachers or to organizations if um, they need a drum group or they want a carver or some other artisan um, history presentation. They can access our website and find a directory of people there who are willing to um, negotiate to go do those uh, types of things. But James, uh, you mentioned subscriptions. Now, is that just uh, for teachers or can anybody uh, subscribe? Well, I, I guess anybody can subscribe. It's really geared towards teachers in the classroom. Um, they are uh, curriculum units that they're downloading um, in that area. Um, there's other information on the website where you can learn about our history and culture, which is free access. Um, but, you know, the subscription part of the website is specifically geared for those teachers in the classroom wanting to teach about our culture. And it's geared to them because of the specific uh, the materials that you have available? or Yeah, it's, um, there are units that we developed over the past um, six or seven years. We've been developing curriculum units. And in the past, we would um, package these units as a kit, and we would be, we sell them to schools. But the kits were $600 plus. And so we found that um, by having them on online and available to teachers that way, we can bring down one hour, our printing cost, but also the cost for each school to access the same material. Yeah, I see. So go ahead. So part of, um, part of the website also is um, we have something called She Molly's Trading Post. And she models trading posts is um, basically a way that we can market some of the uh, literature, music, and videos that have to do with uh, Penobscot and Wabanaki culture. Um, also, it gives artisans in the community um, a, a kind of a global outlet to sell some of their um, jewelry or carvings and baskets. Now, is this just for uh, Penobscot artists, or uh, would it feature any other um, artists from other tribes? It's open to um, any Native artist who wants to put their stuff on the website. Okay. Um, in addition, we have a um, listen to the language piece, which um, we have taken a approach here with the language where we've um, categorized the language into uh, ancestors and elders by name so that you can access people like Susie Dana and um, listen to her voice and some of the things that she was doing recording the language um, historically, but also people like Carol Dana who was actively working with the language um, is on there also. And so there's a variety of different uh, stories in the language. And um, we have something called a language uh, toolkit where you can download the font so that when you are accessing our website, you will be able to see the language, the written language, as it was intended. Now, with uh, you mentioned Susie Dana. Is there um, any place on the site that uh, gives a, a bio or history of uh, the elders or well there are um we have um the list of chiefs and the list of representatives and uh when 
there is histories available of these people. We have put those in. And we've also asked um, certain representatives and tribal chiefs if they are still living, if they wanted to contribute to their own small page on the website. And we've done that. Um, we have a timeline, which um, historical timeline. And all of this that is on the website today isn't um, set in stone. One of the big things about the website in, uh, when talking to uh, developers of the website is we wanted it to be user-friendly uh, from our standpoint in that we can go in and change content on a daily basis. And so I went through a long uh, process of learning how to actually run and manipulate the website. And so on a daily basis, I can access the website. And if we sold this rare basket that we have for sale, I can immediately take it off the website so that we don't duplicate a sale inadvertently. Uh, but also, if we have events going on in the community, we can put those on our event calendars and when that event is um, done, write a news um, item about it, and that goes on the website also. I notice you do have a section uh, with news that you put articles up on. Yeah, and this is something that uh, I was hoping to try to do on a daily basis, just put one kind of news item that's going on in the community or that um, of some special interest. Um, in the past, I've written about this show that we're on here today uh, on the website. And the um, important thing for this kind of outlet is to also link it to, um, you know, other places of interest on the, on the web. It acts as kind of a portal to a lot more information about uh, Wabanakis and uh, Penobscots that is uh, available on the, the Internet. Mm. Now, I noticed when we, when we bring up the, uh, the website, the, uh, the face page or the home page, has a uh, a picture. Could you explain who that uh, that uh, person is? Well, um, it is a picture of um, Peter Nicola, and he was one of our former chiefs. And um, I chose him for the front page because um, we're in the middle of an oral history project when developing this page, and there were several pictures of of Peter, and um, this one really spoke to me and. Um, he has a very kind face. And so what we wanted to do um, with these different sections of the website, which are teach, experience, learn, listen, visit, and research, was to introduce another face, another elder uh, ancestor, and also another design element. There are double curves that are um, kind of in the background, and those change as you um, change each one of those um, from teach um, and experience and learn. So um, it's really a, um, a way to show our ancestors' face in, in this platform. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, as, so as you move, move the, uh, the arrow on the bar to each category, the, the, uh, the picture changes. Interesting. We try to be consistent about who was there. For instance, under Listen, uh, there's a picture of Susie Dana, who was a very active member in our language preservation project. Now, Susie Dana um, uh, passed away a number of years ago, correct? Yes. So that you, we do have her, 
her uh, her spoken language um, on uh, on audio. So that's really a, a valuable uh, uh, piece to have. It is, and in our language program, in addition to the written part of language, which is something new also, but also the recorded word is is a real big component to um, our language program. So um, it was important for people to actually not only see how it was written, but hear how it was spoken. So you have uh, your categories on listed on the bar. I think there's the one on the very top of the uh, of the page, very top. But it's got uh, quick links. Now, what is that? Oh, quick links are just a way for um, when you come to the website, if you want to go to the home page or if you want to go to the educator area or request a visit or get directions or contact us. It's just a, a way to, um, instead of kind of going through the page upon page looking for something, these are things that we feel that people say, oh, I want to contact them. Um, it's available up on the quick links, or if they want to return home or, or buy something, you can go, it's linked to the store. Um, you can go and purchase something um, there. Yeah. So what do you have in the store? What kind of articles? We have um, a lot of books um, by and about Wabanaki people. Uh, we have, we try to stay up on the more recent um, publications, and there have been uh, quite a few children's books that have come out recently, so that's nice and, and different. And uh, we have uh, music CDs and um, videos, DVDs. We have some baskets and jewelry earrings. Um, we have talking sticks and keychains and uh, things that uh, some of the community artisans have brought in to sell. Um, and just about everything that's recommended as a resource in the school curriculum is for sale mm -hmm. at Chimales. Yeah. Uh, can, now, can you um, name a few, uh, one or two of the children's books? Well, uh, Donald Soctoma has um, a book out, and it is called Remember Me. And it's a story about um, the Passamaquoddy chief and his relationship with uh, Roosevelt uh, in Roosevelt's younger years. Um, we have um, Alan Sockabasin's Thanks to the Animals. And it um, seems we just, oh, we just got one uh, last week that we reviewed called um, Many Hands, a Penobscot Indian story, which is a very new uh, publication that... Um, a tribal citizen, Pam Cunningham, helped to create. Wow, sounds like a lot, a lot happening in the, in the in, in the, the right publishing in, world. Yeah, <laughs> in the publishing world, and absolutely. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, one of the things that we tried to do with the curriculum piece was, uh, oftentimes we'll take a, a piece of work done by a tribal citizen, a book, and write curriculum around it. So oftentimes that resource is very important to do the unit correctly and so we've linked each one of the resources that are used in the curriculum units to Chimali's store. So we try to make it as user-friendly as possible for teachers especially um, so that they can just subscribe 
and then hit the ground running and get in the classroom. And if they need a resource, it's at their fingertips and they can order it and it's in the mail. Mm. That's great. Um, we would really like to have uh, your questions um, or comments on the website. Uh, you're listening to WERU, Wabanaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring. Our topic uh, today is the Penobscot uh, Cultural Center website. And uh, we would uh, look forward to your calls and, and questions. The number is 1-866-625-9378. 1-866-625-9378. So, James, the way that you've uh, lined that up the, on the, uh, the topics, you have, uh, you have teach experience, learn, and, and then as you uh, go over each topic, the, there are sort of like subtopics underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just sort of discuss the, uh, a few of those? Well, basically, the Teach About the Nation is, is that place for teachers. That they can come and they can subscribe to our curriculum. They can see our vision as far as our outreach vision and um, that vision that really drove our curriculum development. Um, there's a help desk there where if um, you're having some questions about how to implement uh, LD-291 into the curriculum, um, and LD-291 is, is the law that, uh, well, that's what it's affectionately called, um, the kind of main studies law or the main Indian studies law. And uh, so that's also found on our website, the law itself. And so, um, so the teacher's really geared towards, towards the teachers. Now, experience is um, the place where we have our photo gallery and our store and uh, our news. We archive all the news articles that, we, that show up on the front page, and they get archived into the experience. Uh, but also the cultural resource directory is there. So if you want to have this kind of experiential learning, uh, you can contact those people who um, who have ha- uh, put their names on this cultural resource directory under many different categories like basket making and uh, beadwork or quill work, birch bark, canoe making, uh, contemporary arts, all the way down to um, kind of traditional survival and hunting guides. So there's a very broad range of um, availability for people to uh, come to your organization or your school. Um, Learn is probably, will be the most expansive part of the website. Um, By having control of the website on a daily basis, we're able to add content to the website continuously. So every time that I work on a project, we make a web version of it. Um, For instance, we're working on a moose, Penobscot moose booklet, where we're compiling all kinds of information about Penobscot and the relationship to this animal of Maine. And uh, all of that will be digitized and added to the website when it's done. So the learn part is really um, a place where any travel member, if they want to add an article, will put it on there. Um, it's going to be a uh, very um, large and expanding expanding part of the website. 
in the future. One um, thing that we thought component of, uh, uh, important about that component is getting a variety of voices. So um, by being able to manipulate the website on a regular basis ourselves, uh, we could take people's um, essays or poetry or, or um, papers on any given topic and um, post those. And um, it, it would offer a variety of um, voice, so it's not just from the cultural department, but we're sort of sharing so uh, people's opinions, so that if perspectives. Uh, so that if a tribal member, say, writes a poem or whatever, they could send it to you and, and get it posted on the, the cultural uh, site? Yes. Yeah, excellent. Do you, mo do you, uh, <laughs> do you sort of... Uh, Why, you got a poem for us? Well, I don't know, I might. <laughs> <laughs> but do you um, uh, check these over and make sure that they're... Uh, they're appropriate or... Well, I think we would, yes. Yeah. We, well, ha we haven't had anyone send anything yet, but of course the site's new. It just came up last month. And um, when we first launched it, we went into a soft launch so that we could um, make tweaks and make sure the store worked and all of that. So uh, it's still a work in progress. Hmm. Well, we'll have to check that out. We get a, a lot of requests um, at our office. Oftentimes people want to come and visit uh, the reservation. And so um, we certainly wanted to make people aware of where the reservation was and that um, they should really request a visit when they come in the community so that we can, um, one, prepare, but also ensure that they're not just kind of going where they shouldn't be going on the reservation. There are places that are appropriate and other places that aren't. Uh, we do have two mu two museums, and uh, one of which is um, the Penobscot Nation Museum, uh, but also um, there's a small family museum run by Charles Shea. And uh, that's also, um, we wrote up about that also because it is a uh, kind of an attraction. Um, it is in the old teepee, it's called, a large wooden structure, very visible on Indian Island. Um, so the information about the history of that teepee, but also the history of uh, the Penobscot Nation website is available there also. Yeah. Well, I remember that, that, uh, that teepee when I was back generations ago, when I was... In its heyday. <laughs> in its heyday. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does have quite a history in, uh, in, uh, with the Princess Wotawasu. Yeah, uh, Lucy Poulard and uh, Bruce, and yeah, it's a really interesting uh, history that comes with that. I think um, Bruce Poulard, who was a Kiowa Indian and married a Penobscot woman, um, I think that they were really uh, creative in bringing tourism to Indian Island at a time when there wasn't much happening economically for the community. So that teepee was uh, a tourist uh, attraction, and from which they sold a lot of uh, goods and uh, hosted some um, really fancy pageants. Oh, huge pageants. Huge. I remember reading about uh, doing some uh, research, and there was a one pageant that they held in, uh, in Old Town where they cre created like a mock village hmm. in, yeah. in Old Town, and there were like three to 5,000 people that showed up to this pageant. I think he was probably one of our first uh, tourist entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He and Lucy. Yeah. 
So, so um, there, there's one part of our website which is um, still under development. It, it's all the way to the right. It's called research. And, you know, one of the things that Penobscot Nation asserts is that we're the guardian and the interpreters of Penobscot culture and its arts. And so we are the keepers of that knowledge. And so part of the research component of this is if someone's out there doing research about Penobscots or they want to write a book about the Penobscot Nation, we are um, kind of raising our hand and saying, hey, we're over here, uh, ensuring that uh, people come to us and uh, work with us in what they're working on, but also if um, we're setting up protocols for um, having people do the proper um, channels and interviewing people, elders especially in the community, um, because in the past it's been a very touchy subject and people have just come into the communities, done their research and left with their PhDs or whatnot and um, left uh, with that knowledge and we wanted to kind of try to regulate that a little bit. And so the research component of the website is um, there to facilitate that uh, process once it's uh, put into place. Now, I, I remember that there was some sort of uh, problem or issues with people coming on uh, the island and conducting their own research and uh, drawing a lot of uh, attention. Uh, and, you know, because, you know, the, the island is, is a tribal community and um, it's, uh, it's a private community and not, you know, they, we can pretty much say who can come on and, and what they can do. And um, it's, it's not like a, uh, a town where you just go and do what you want to do. It's very different. Right. And the um, tribal government has charged the Cultural and Historic Preservation Department with uh, overseeing uh, research in the community. Um, so there are some um, protocols being set up. Um, there was some, a few years back, um, some protocols that were put into place, but it wasn't through the Cultural Department. And so we've been working over the past couple of years with the University of Maine and um, other indigenous scholars from um, from Cape Breton, for example, uh, to to really solidify that that um, piece of our work. Um, you know, it, it has the potential of being uh, controversial in that it seems as though we're trying to keep people from from uh, talking to um, just anybody on research matters, but it's really a way for us to um, like James said, control the information and what happens to it and uh, who reviews it. So it's really to ensure the accuracy of what people are coming away with. Yeah. And, but that controlling the, uh, the, uh, the academics, it's just not uh, with Penobscot. I mean, that's a problem that's, uh, that's kind of, I'm going to say, at least nationwide oh, yeah. uh, on, uh, on tribal uh, reservations. Um, you're absolutely right, and um, we've been working with a, a gentleman um, from Cape Breton University who works with the Micmacs, and what they assert is that all the the information um, on Micmac 
culture and traditions and in history is um, information which is held collectively by the Mi'kmaq people and that um, no one tribal member should be benefiting uh, from working with researchers um, or that uh, one person's voice should be the voice for the community. So they're really um, approaching it as a um, communal concern um, and community property. Right. So as I mentioned uh, a little bit about the pictures that you had noticed on the website, uh, one thing that we find um, historically with websites is that old photographs are very popular. And so we actually have um, two things that are one thing already in place, but one thing, another that is, is coming up. And uh, the thing we have in place is called historic photographs. And these are a lot of these images of Indian Island that um, have um, been circulating for many years on postcards or they came from the Frank Speck collection. And uh, we have put them into what's called a photo gallery. And some of these are even available through Chi Molly's trading post for purchase. We'll print you eight by ten if you if you would like that. And um, so that's kind of our historic photo gallery. Um, there are no people um, in this gallery, um, and so we are also putting together a um, an image gallery, which is kind of the same, but uh, they won't be available for sale. They would just be available to view on the website. And um, those um, images are now being worked on um, by the staff at the Culture and Historic Preservation Department to be uploaded onto the website and a new page added with these images on there. Uh, many images, click on it, and it will show you a full screen version of the image. Where did you get these uh, these old photographs and, and images? Well, Donna, do you have any in a shoebox in, <laughs> in your attic? Uh, Actually, is, I do. Well, this is where a, a lot of um, <laughs> the thousands and thousands of photographs that are in the Cultural and Historic Preservation Department's collection came from people in the community who would come by and I would scan them in. Um, or um, some of them, about 350, came from the Frank Speck collection. There was a series that came from Frank Siebert, who worked on the language in the community for many years. And so from different um, places, um, but a lot of them came from the community members. And um, so we try to uh, give back by sharing those back with the, the total um, citizenship of the Penobscot Nation. Yeah, I know that you're, uh, you show those at some gatherings of uh, um, seniors. Is that right, Maria? Yes. Um, the, the pictures have always been a big hit. When we had our first uh, open house, probably about, I think it was probably about three years ago, we set up one room where we just showed these um, rolling slides of images that we had acquired, and that was definitely the main attraction. Everyone gravitated to that room and um, shared stories and helped identify people. And um, when, we, when we designed this oral history project, which we're currently working on uh, with the elders, it's an elders oral history project, we, um, we acquired 350 images from the Frank Speck collection 
that was being kept at the American Philosophical Society. And as part of that project, we had agreed to do three uh, group interviews with elders and show them these slides and have them tell us what they knew about the people in it or uh, the structures in it or the locations. And um, they had such a great time that when we were on our third and final group interview, when we told them that that was you know, our last one, they said, no way. They wanted to have this every week. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so uh, we couldn't do it every week because we did, you know, we do cook them a nice home-cooked meal and, and show a variety of slides. But we have agreed to do it um, every eight weeks. And so um, we also created a gallery there in the community center um, with these images, which we change out every eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And... Um, host what we call the Elders History Cafe, a chance for them to come together and have a meal and reminisce and look at these pictures. Yeah. Well, you have a, a very small facility, um, very crowded, and uh, uh, I, I, you know, I know that you've, uh, the, the nation's been looking at uh, trying to uh, expand that facility um, and also uh, uh, bring in a, a muse- museum as well. Uh, but uh, for all the work you do, I, I think it's uh, pretty incredible that it comes out of that, that small building and uh, you've done a lot of uh, community outreach and uh, made a lot of seniors uh, happy. Well, thanks. So. I think so. Um, James has been really instrumental in developing that relationship with the elders um, right from the start. And um, I think he could probably speak a little bit more to that, but he, you know, he definitely felt that that was an important component to our organization. Yeah, I feel like I'm stuck sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I know uh, I was walking to the community building from our uh, facility, which is across the street, and uh, the window was rolled down, and elders in their car uh, shuttling pictures to me. You know, get these back to me. Um, but since, especially since we've been doing these elders history cafes, uh, the visibility of the department with the elders has uh, increased tenfold. And so um, when I see elders in the community, um, it's always a 15, 20-minute chat. Um, and we work in different areas in the community. You talk about how small our offices are. Um, but we try to take advantage of, um, you know, we have birch bark canoe on display at both uh, Indian Island School and also the, the bingo uh, facility. Um, and the place at the bingo facility has kind of a, um, a write-up on how the canoe is built. And so it's kind of a, um, a display of the canoe, but also kind of a, the canoe revitaliz- revitalization project that we have. And um, again, the historic photo gallery is um, a place where we can show some of these pictures in the community setting, um, and it just doesn't have to be at our office. It's, it's, we try to access different places where people are in the community and um, try to en- enrich and share the culture uh, because it comes back to us. Um, seniors uh, in the community and the elders are very open to sharing their stories. Um, It was funny, we were videotaping these gatherings, these elder history cafes, and um, Brianne, who's the cultural 
education coordinator was videotaping them and she said, well, do I videotape the picture or the people? I said, well, whatever you feel is necessary. And at one point I looked at her because it was about 20 different conversations going on in the room and a lot of laughing and uh, a lot of reminiscing. And she didn't know who to go to. Um, and I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and, um, you know, but there was a lot of smiles and a lot of laughter and, you know, whether or not we documented it properly is irrelevant. Um, there was a real good time and um, I'm happy that we're continuing it. The importance of that work with the elders is uh, really valuable um, in two areas. And one is that the elders can then contribute to um, history and the documentation of history as they are doing in this elders uh, oral history project but also a lot of our elders grew up away from the community um, during that um, period of time when they were reaching adulthood uh, most of our community members were leaving to go pursue careers and elsewhere and uh, so they didn't grow up on the island and so then it's an opportunity for them they've since returned but they're not real strong um, in the history of the community, so it's a chance of them to reconnect at this you know, late age in life. I think they really appreciate that. Mm. And it's always a great thing for you know, elders or, or, or you know, our tribal people in general to be able to come back into the community sort of you know, as, a, as a place to, to come back to their roots and, and, and live. You know, not everybody has that opportunity, and I think we're very... Very lucky in that in that respect. Mm -hmm. Well, one one interesting thing is I'm I'm looking at this this report that gets generated. Um, a website is um, kind of tagged, and um, we report gets generated, and we know exactly who's been on our website and where they came from. And I find it interesting that we've touched six out of the seven continents of the world who are interested in Penobscot culture, you know, places like um, Paraguay and Japan and um, all this, some African nations that people were accessing the World Wide Web to see about Penobscot culture. So it's really exciting to see kind of that broad range um, of people from all over the world, you know, learning about our culture. Yeah, I think you mentioned Germany and the UK and uh, Japan. Everywhere except so. Australia, right? <laughs> yeah. Seven continents. Hmm. Okay, if Australia's listening, <laughs> get <laughs> on the web. <laughs> um, okay. So... I do want to go back to, uh, you have a list of, uh, of speakers and, and uh, resources. And, uh, and I think the point is made that uh, if there's an organization out there, teachers or, or you know, a, a nonprofit or an, a college or whatever that's looking for uh, native speakers or a native resource on in a multitude of areas that this uh, website would be a great place for them to look and, and to connect to these resources. And uh, if they want a speaker, go in there and, and look for one and, uh, and uh, you know, put your request in. Yeah, and, and the request doesn't come to us. And that, this is the important part of this is uh, for the first few years of the, the cultural department, 
we get a lot of requests from organizations who say, hey, we want a drum group. And we don't have a drum group on staff at the Penobscot uh, <laughs> Nation Cultural Center. Um, but, you know, there were many in the community. And what happened was we ended up becoming almost like a broker, calling the drum group, hey, so-and-so is looking for. And so we wanted to get out of that business because, you know, oftentimes the drum group, well, how much do they have to, you know, there's, there's, there's fees that need to be negotiated. And so we didn't want to get into the business of that. So... What we've done is provide a place for Wabanaki artisans, and I'm looking at, um, we have like 12 different uh, drum groups here um, that people can access if uh, they want to um, hear someone come in and drum. There's, there's drum groups, but there's also individuals here who do it. And um, But their contact information is here. And you, know, you click on a person and you see their address, their phone number, their email address. In fact, you can oftentimes email them directly right from our website. And so we're kind of out of the whole loop. We're just providing that space for people to access the uh, cultural resources in our, in our community. All right. So there's there's uh, people. I see. I see you have Wadey up there. <laughs> uh, yes, um, Wadey's in several places. He's. Uh, he has a CD out with uh, drumming, a couple of CDs out actually that are available at Chimali's uh, Trading Post. Um, and also he goes out and he educates people about uh, drumming and singing in the community. So his address is there and his phone number and uh, you can email him directly. And I believe you're in here too, Donna. Under historic preserva uh, presentations. And you're in there too, James, I think. <laughs> as, as is Maria. We're, we're <laughs> so we're all in there. <laughs> um, but so and, and for tribal members, we try to make it easy as possible. They can, if, uh, as a tribal member, I sent you to the website to fill out the, the sheet to, um, to be added to the culture resource directory. So, again, it's uh, very user-friendly. It generates an email to me and I put your name in and um, that's it. So um, it's kind of grown since in the last month. There's been several people who have um, been added to the cultural resource directory. I did want to mention, um, James, that you, you've done some of the art um, on this website. Am I correct in saying that? I um, some of my art is available through Chi Molly's uh, store. Um, I certainly worked on the um, the layout and the design of the website itself, um, but certainly not uh, their traditional designs and not anything that uh, I drew. Um, but there there are some like photography sometimes is mine because it's just easily accessed. Uh, I'm a photographer, and if I've taken a picture of a basket, I'll I'll use it. So um, items like that, or if we just need a kind of a, um, you know, a, a picture which is graphic in nature, I'll use something that uh, I've, I've done myself. Do you have a, do you have a favorite piece of this uh, site that you really like to, that you really enjoy looking at, or I'm putting you on the spot? I know. Well, it's, it's so, so expansive. I, I think the uh, timeline 
is uh, where I spend most of my time because as a historian, there's always another date that I can add. And since the website's been launched, I think I've added about six or seven dates on the timeline and uh, links. Something, you know, if, if it's Joe Attian's, you know, was born on this day, um, you can click on his name and learn the whole history of him as a Penobscot person. And so um, oftentimes we'll pair historical write-ups with the timeline. And so I guess uh, that's probably my favorite place. I spend a lot of time there um, because that's what I do as far as history. Maria? I like the news items. Um, I think it's a good way to keep, um, uh, like I said, the reservation citizens connected to what's going on in the community and sort of an opportunity for us to debrief a little on, uh, you know, past events. So I particularly like the news items, just a short little blurb every now and again of what we've been up to. Hmm. You know, I think it might be interesting to, uh, with the, uh, the section you have on that features like writers that submit their work or poet, poets or whatever, it might be inter interesting to see if people are starting to write uh, books or their poetry, that uh, if, if they're in the process of writing a book, that they may submit uh, a chapter or something like that to get people interested. Maybe. That sounds like a really good idea. Because yeah. I am. I might, <laughs> 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 I might do that. <laughs> So we got another book in the works, huh? Uh, a couple. <laughs> well, I, I think the three of us sitting at this table should all submit a small piece and we can get that ball rolling and uh, put something on the website in that vein. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, I do know there's a, a couple aspiring poets on in the tribe and, and uh, we do have some that are uh, already uh, recognized in their writing. And I think of Sipsis. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, well, as there's room for lots of possibilities. Yeah. That's the good yeah, thing. Absolutely. And then there's always the new, the young people that are coming up with mm -hmm. ideas and, and writings and, yeah, it could be something to help them out too. Yeah. Sipsis's son, Bill, is, uh, a very talented storyteller and, you know, not, not your traditional, you know, stories of Gluskop storytelling, but, uh, stories of growing up on Indian Island, you know, in the in the last few decades, mm. which are um, you know quite quite funny. Um, there's there's quite a bit of humor in them. Um, well, maybe we should get him on and oh, tell some should, of his stories. Definitely, <laughs> we had a um, event at the university. It was honoring Sipsis's last book, the Prayers, Poems, and Pathways. And her daughter, uh, Sipsis's family is just incredibly creative. And her daughter, Pam, and Pam's son had written a small children's book. So Pam came to read as, as well at this event. And then Bill came to read. And that was the first time that I publicly heard him um, with any of his stories. And he was reading away. And he came to a point where he said, OK, well, you know, should I stop here? And everyone said, no, 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 keep reading. So he kept reading. And then he came to another point, you know, later on. He says, well, I think that's about it. And everyone again said, no, keep reading. <laughs> so he got up there, and we weren't willing to let him sit down too quickly. And I think what 
what was so interesting about his writing is we're about the same age and we could really relate to that time frame and we could almost just envision that Indian island that he was describing in his writings. Mm, yeah. I mean, we talk about that Indian island. Of course, my, my memories are like really old. In fact, I remember when, and my favorite one is the Tarzan tree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when that was, when that was healthy, I mean, it's, it's gone now just about, I yeah. think maybe some old gnarled roots are left in the swamp, but when that was a huge tree, and there was like the camelback and the mm-hmm. and the crow's nest and the turtleback, and we were always trying to climb that tree. And there were some of the kids could could climb that tree and go all the way to the top, no problem. <laughs> they go up there like like you know like monkeys and jumping all over their branches. Yeah. And Me, I I was afraid of heights. I could hardly get to the to the turtleback, the first <laughs> <laughs> the first branch. <laughs> but I yeah, those I were. I remember the Tarzan tree. Those were the days. <laughs> yes. That's where you come by your family's place, just on the road. Yep, yep. And what was funny is that you walked by that Tarzan tree and walked by along the road, and there was always people in the tree. Oh, yeah, they loved it. <laughs> it was <laughs> like the community, That tree you must know? have been four, 500 years old. Yeah, that tree, and, and then the, the kids uh, always loved to play baseball. Mm-hmm. That was a big pastime. One of, the, one of the things I found really interesting in the oral history project is some of the pictures came with labels and they, they said who the person was. Others did not. And so uh, we come across a picture and the elders wouldn't know who that particular person was. Well, and I would tell them, well, that, that's um, Nick Andrews and in, in one in particular. And they said, oh, that's what Nick Andrews looked like. We had always heard that name and it always it was associated with the swimming hole called Nick Andrews Shore and Nick Andrews Rock, which was just down below where um, you know Jean and Fran lived, actually near the boat landing today. And it was about the time when the boat landing, they were looking for a name to name the kind of boat landing area. And I, uh, I said, well, according to the elders, it's already named. It's called Nick Andrews Shore. And so, you know, by these... Uh, this oral history project that kind of labeled the island for me in, in new ways, Elizabeth Shore, and they're talking about Tarzan trees. And, um, you know, growing up, we had places like Joe P's and First Ledge and Second Ledge. But uh, as you can see, the generations, there were always these other places, Sandy Beach uh, on the island, Fort Dawson, um, that really kind of, solidify that little community and so it was great learning about that through those processes oh, yeah. good good times when we were kids good memories yeah um so moving on um on the, on this website uh i really think there's you know there's a lot in there there's tremendous amount of material and uh and james you seem to be you are adding to that Every day, right? Yes, I, I I am. You know, one of the one of the things that um, you know for those teachers who happen to be listening today that um, we in paying for the subscription for this website, 
you can actually put a purchase order number in uh, to make it easier. So if you can get a purchase order number from your school, fill out the form, and we will activate um, your subscription um, and bill your school so that it can be uh, fairly immediate um, that you're up and going on the website that, you know, you don't have to wait. And, you know, the um, subscription costs $75 for a full year. And um, each year um, in September, when school starts, we'll be adding more curriculum to the website. Um, so there'll be fresh stuff every year so that, um, you know, we can kind of get teachers to come back. And there is a place where if you're an ambitious teacher and you want to share this great unit that you put together, um, we have a place where you can, we call it, join our curriculum family. Um, we didn't develop this curriculum by ourselves. We hired teachers from all over the state of Maine to help develop this curriculum. And we certainly uh, welcome any other teachers who are doing uh, great work out there and who want to share uh, their units with others um, to put them on our website. That's great. It's also be a good chance for them to stay connected because each fall we do our annual uh, Teach the Teacher workshops. Um, and this year we'll be doing our fourth annual. And those usually take place in the fall. We usually have a series of three or four uh, workshops that they can choose from and come and visit uh, the community. So there's a way for them to register for this upcoming uh, workshop? There or? will be. I think the uh, subscription component um, or the website in general would be a good way for teachers to stay in touch with what we have to offer them. Yeah. So it would be located under Teach? Um, yeah, well, uh, also, it, not only under Teach, but also um, in, the, in the news, on, on the news part, it will be posted there in our event calendar. So it'll be in several places on the website um, that we're holding these Teach the Teacher workshops. Um, typically in October. Okay. Um, now I'm wondering, we only have a, a few minutes left here, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, ask Maria if there's any events uh, coming up that she'd like uh, people to know about. Yes, we have one event. Um, Melinda Mallory Lowry is a Lumbee Indian, and uh, she helped to produce a film called In the Light of Reverence. And Melinda will be visiting the community on Friday, April 30th. We will be uh, showing her film, In the Light of Reverence, and we'll have a post-film uh, screening discussion with her. And that begins at 7 o'clock, and that's at the Penobscot Nation uh, Community Building on Indian Island. And if anyone has any questions on the event, um, you can call 817 7471 or visit the website at www.penobscotculture.com There you go. <laughs> Do you have uh, any last comments, James? Last comments? Last comments. A couple minutes here. Well, um, I think in the kind of events that are coming up, there is going to be a small symposium on um, Native mascot issues at the Bangor Public Library on May 15th, and that's a Saturday. Um, in addition to uh, myself, there'll be other people speaking on the panel. Um, somebody's going to be talking about um, how 
native mascots can be damaging to Native American students who have to um, go to school in some of these institutions. And so, um, again, that's Bangor Public Library on May 15th. I'm not sure of the time. I think it uh, starts at 1. Mm. But that'll be on our website soon um, with all the details. Yeah. So the website really is uh, a place for all kinds of, uh, of information and has uh, tons of material for teachers and, and uh, people that are just interested in, uh, in uh, history in general. And it's a great, it's a great resource. So uh, the next time I hear somebody complain that they can't find any resources, um, I'm going to uh, point them towards the Penobscot Culture uh, website at uh, www.penobscotculture.com. So, unless the, do you have uh, any last comments, Maria? Um, just if you know anyone from Australia, tell them to check out the website. <laughs> yeah. We've kind of gotten hung up on the statistics. We're, we enjoy looking at how many visitors we've had and where they're from. So okay. Australia would make the seven continents complete. Okay, Australia. <laughs> Contact the website. Okay. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Donna Loring, and you've been listening to Abenaki Windows. The music for our show is by Rolf Richter, a track called Little Eagles from his new CD, Dreamwalk. I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to thank our special guest, Maria Gerard, the director of the Penobscot Nation Cultural Center, and James Francis, uh, the Penobscot Nation historian. Um, and thank you for joining us, and please join us next month for another Wabanaki Windows. WERU Community Radio is looking for candidates for the position of digital... Support for WERU comes from the Emmaus Homeless Shelter in Ellsworth, presenting their fifth annual Spring Fest in 